Um, I like the little tweaks like Jonah Hill adds to his Diveroli character, like this high pitched laugh and this. Uh, <laughs> he's laugh basically just so the, creepy. Yeah, but it, <laughs> <laughs> you are way too good at that. <laughs> Kidding. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 424 with a review of War Dogs. I'm Christopher Schnazy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you this week. We are stockpiling guns and trying to sell them to the U.S. government to make some money. Um, do with some God government bless contracts. Joe Biden's America. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, how you doing tonight, Stephen? Doing okay. After completely ruined the timing of that uh, <laughs> that joke. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, par for the course. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's lots of things we'll talk about being ruined. I don't know. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, this is this is a little film that uh, you know it, it looked like it could be kind of funny. Um, yeah, I, I think I was like unnaturally excited to see it like it isn't the kind of movie that should totally jump out at me i'm not uh i i only saw the first hangover for instance i'm definitely not like a todd phillips junkie or anything yeah uh and you know jonah hill is fairly hit or miss to me and miles teller tends to he's done some of my favorite movies and then he's done a lot of movies that are not good (laughs) at all (laughs) um but for some reason, I was really excited to see this one. Like, I think you knew you wanted to watch Kubo, and you asked me what else we should record. And I was like, oh, War Dogs. Definitely War Dogs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for, for me, it's more of a thing where, like, nothing about the movie jumped out as being extremely entertaining. But I like these people, potentially, in certain cases. And they seem like they could have a good chemistry together. And it was one of those things where it's like, if we didn't do the podcast, I might have not seen this movie at all, but having been given the chance to see it, I was kind of like, yeah, I can watch that, but this will be kind of fun. I'm like, I wasn't really expecting a whole lot, but I, I definitely thought that there was a possibility that it could be an entertaining, entertaining little venture. Yeah, I wonder, by the way, if we should try to squeeze in like like a 30-second sausage party review since we never <laughs> recorded that. <laughs> I feel like another Jonah Hill movie, it's like a fine time to... Uh, <laughs> to give Sausage Party a bone. That, 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 that's true. Um, you know, before the characters in that film give each other a bone. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. It's Thanks. pronounced bun, Chris, please. Ah, uh, yes. Um, but yeah, do, do you want to just say uh, a few 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 words real fast? Sure. Uh, I, I liked Sausage Party <laughs> quite a bit. I thought it was a ridiculous, raunchy, quite funny movie. Uh, there was like, there was just a little something that didn't, totally click for me like i don't know if it's possible for a movie to have too many f-words but somehow i feel like this movie out of the gate managed to it didn't offend me but it just like it felt like if i were to watch super bad right now like it, it felt like there was something something about the humor just wasn't completely meshing with who i am right now but i got over that really quickly i, I mean it's a pretty hilarious movie and it has some actually fairly interesting things to say about religion. Yeah, um, I think that was one of the biggest surprises for me is because, you know, I, I kind of imagined that this was, 
you know, it was Toy Story, but like a veggie, a veggie tale. <laughs> and I, yeah. I was kind of expecting it to be like that same basic premise and kind of all the humor would be simply stuck in, in that little, little step. But they kind of took it to the logical extreme of, okay, what if, what if vegetables and things and different food items were sentient and they live their life in a grocery store, then what would this idea of the world beyond the grocery store be? And, and, and what would the people who have not yet experienced, you know, being shaved with a peeler (laughs) or being chopped to death, um, what would they, um, what would they think about the world? And if somebody tried to tell them the world was different than it was, what would they, what would they think? And I was like, wow, this, this film is like digging into religion really hard. Um, and yeah, it, it was, it was interesting the way where they took everything, in the film uh and uh, you know it, it was it was a funny film some of the jokes are easy but it's one of those things where in the context of the film even going for the easy joke works because yeah i mean i think there there's a thing where like you you know there are hot dogs and buns and i, I truly <laughs> expected the entire movie to be about that <laughs> right like i given the subject matter i think they they got remarkably little mileage out of the totally obvious phallic joke. Like, yeah, yeah. They, they got one amazing one at the very end of the movie that goes on for way too long. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's like the payoff for the joke of just the concept of the film. Exactly. But like, you know, who knew that, uh, who knew that Israel Palestine would get like more mileage of jokes in this movie than, uh, <laughs> yeah. than sex humor. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, if, I, if I'm going to put on my my Christopher Schnazy hat for a second, I will say that like there is not a lot of time spent to world building in this film. <laughs> There's certain things that don't make sense. Like there are some inanimate objects that have sentience, and then mostly everything else is still like nothing, right? Um, and there's not really a, uh, an explanation for at what point in time <laughs> these vegetable products become sentient like the, the, like they they just wake up in a store right like they're not alive until they arrive at the store it's as if it's as, as if passing into the store brings them to life and then you know being that, consumed. i never thought about that <laughs> you're really digging into how the sausage gets made <laughs> nice but yeah like you you don't, you don't see them like there's no, like you would think there'd be two steps, right? Like, yes, we're being picked out of the ground. We're being harvested. We're being chosen to go to the I'm being supermarket. shoved into a pig intestine. <laughs> yeah, but like, the, like the, that kind of stuff doesn't exist in this world because, you know, no time is given to that. But the nature of the film doesn't make me really criticize that in a way. It's just one of those things where it's like, okay, well, like we made this joke in our head and then we created an entire film around it. And we only wanted to take that as far as whatever jokes we could come up with while we were baked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, then, and that's sort of all they did. And I, it, I mean, to, to be fair, what happens to the toys in Toy Story before they become playthings? True, true, true. But, I mean, you see them being wrapped in the boxes and being... Because um, Buzz gets unwrapped with a bunch of other Buzzes, right? Yeah. So you you could you could theoretically say that once the final piece is put together and they're put in the box, then they magically become, I, I don't know. In, in Toy Story, <laughs> I feel like it works on a, on a deeper level. Um, mm. But I mean, that's, that's, that's Pixar for you. <laughs> but yeah, in, in general, I liked Sausage Party. I thought it was a good time. Um, I would have never expected 
that it was uh, as fun as I expected it to, to really kind of when, when the when the trailer before before the trailer first came out, when I just heard about the film, I was like, oh, this is going to be like one of those just raunchy things that is just way too excessive. And I think what it came out with was a pr- maybe a little bit higher <laughs> brow than I expected originally, but still not still not the tip top of, of what a film could do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I'm I think I'm there with you. It it was it was better than I would have expected. I think if we were doing our normal rating system, I would probably edge it up to a must see just for the like audacity of it. Mm-hmm. But maybe in my more like normal sober state, it would be a recommend with a caveat. <laughs> that sounds about fair. Um, yeah, uh, Carson did give us an audio drop in, so I think I might play that right now. <clears throat> What's up, dudes? Uh, here to talk about Sausage Party. Um, but enough about this podcast. Uh, there's a new animated movie out called Sausage Party. Uh, Should have called that one Segway Party, the way I just chin that shit. Um, you know, gotta start strong. Anyway, uh, I very much enjoyed Sausage Party. Um, it's a it's a it's a really funny movie. Um, and there's honestly not a whole lot more to say about, about it, uh, other than it's very funny. Um, uh, but I, I really appreciated how un-2016 this movie is. Um, it, you know, it's kind of hilarious because, you know, all the SJWs on social media and whatnot, they're, you know, all up in arms, of course, and uh, my favorite quote from uh, one of these people was uh, Twitter handle at cheap biatch uh, <laughs> because, you know, at cheap biatch, clearly an authority on comedy and tact. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, they, of course, they're complaining about how, you know, un- you know, racist, sexist, et cetera, et cetera, all the isms and ists and unfunniness but uh i think they're really missing the underlying message of this movie which i think is uh actually very positive and progressive which you know is kind of all about putting aside you know a very simplified version it's you know putting aside all of our our bullshit and uh you know just just gonna have a great time and i mean that's that's really all it is uh, you know, it's, 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 you can believe what you want to believe and that's cool, but, uh, you know, we should all, we should all get along. I mean, that's kind of, that's, that's really the message of this movie. Um, and it's done in a very, uh, sentimental, uh, Pixar style, which, um, is also very funny given the fact that this is an extremely un, uh, un, family-friendly movie uh it's it's a filthy movie um but uh i i think that you know they really nail the whole tone of uh you know and structure of a really great pixar formula movie um i actually think that um that sausage party has more um heart and whimsy than a lot of the last couple Pixar movies, and definitely a lot more heart and whimsy than uh, Pete's Dragon, which was the actual kids movie that came out this past weekend. 
So, um, yeah, I, I think underneath all the layer of filth and, you know, depravity, there is a beating heart. And uh, I think the, you know, that's what, that's a, a big reason why this movie works. Also, it's extremely funny. I mean, uh, I, I don't think seeing anthropomorphic foods cursing at each other and just doing obscene things uh it'll never not be funny i I mean that's just there's some crazy shit in this movie and i think it lives up to uh, a lot of the the hype the the hype and insanity uh, that people have been you know touting it as that it's that it's this crazy ass movie um and there's definitely a lot of stuff in this movie that you have not seen before in a movie uh, which is very good, and I think that's I think that's probably a big reason why audiences uh, responded to it this weekend and made a ton of money. I mean, uh, you know. Anyway, I think they uh, I think the one of the really spectacular things about it is the fact that this movie has uh, or was made on a budget of only nineteen million. I think you know, uh, for an animated uh, CG animated movie, that's that's quite a feat. Um, but and the animation looks really really good i mean it's it's on in my opinion it's on the level of a pixar or a dreamworks animated movie um you know and those movies cost you know 100 million 150 million plus and uh this movie looks looks great i and, and they do the thing which uh they do in a lot of these you know big animated movies is where they try to to make the character the character's design look like the actor who is voicing the character um, and I think they do that very well here I mean I think every time I saw that poster uh, you know for <laughs> of the hot dog that looked like a look like a boner you know you just immediately are like okay Seth Rogen is voicing that hot dog like they they somehow uh, distilled his features into the form of a hot dog which was pretty amazing um and just the animation style uh i really liked i liked the design and the look of the the food items and stuff um and and uh (coughs) this this is probably gonna this is probably gonna be lost on everyone but the thing that but i'm gonna go there because it um (laughs) the thing that the thing that the 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 animation of the food items it reminded me of this this uh tv ad from way back in the day when i was a kid i would see this tv ad and uh it was like for orange juice and there was it was like this guy opens his fridge and there's a there's a talking sandwich in his fridge and he's like Hey, bro, like, drink some orange juice, you know, it's good for you. I mean, he doesn't say it, it, he doesn't say exactly that, but that's the gist. And, um, for some reason, I don't know why, but, uh, I really like the look and design of this talking sandwich in this commercial to, to the point where, like, I've mentioned it so many times that, you know, my girlfriend is just like, you know, what is with you in this fucking sandwich commercial? Like, this is, it has made such an impression on me that I don't know, but I I just really like that, and that that's the first thing I thought of when I saw you know when this movie was when it started and I saw the you know all the animation like that, I don't know why that just 
that's what I first thought of. And, and um, yeah, uh, I'll have to send the YouTube link so you can at least see it. I know it's somewhere, so you're not just like, what the fuck is he talking about? But anyway, uh... Sazapari, so it hit all the I think it hit all the big the big points. I mean, like I said, there's not a whole lot there's not a whole lot more to talk about. Um, just because, you know, it is a comedy and it's like, you know, you either laughed or you didn't. But uh I I uh, I mean I'm I'm really happy that it did well at the box office. I hope that they make a sequel, uh, which they set it up for, which could be a really crazy uh sequel. And uh, Seth Rogen has mentioned uh, in the last couple of days, you know, they have other ideas for R-rated uh, animated movies and concepts, you know. So I, I'm down for that, too. Uh, I think that, you know, the more the merrier. So um, I had a really great time with it. It's definitely a must-see sausage party. Get up all in it. All right, bye. And that's what Carson had to have about the film. So that is our thoughts on Sausage Party. Right now, we're going to get into what you're really here for, and that is to talk about War Dogs. So we're going to play the trailer for War Dogs and then come back and give you a review. Frankly, we were a tad concerned with your performance history against a deal of this size. But after meeting you two face to face, we feel like we're in good hands on this one. We won't let you down. Sirs. Not to mention your bid was far too attractive for us to pass up. What did you mean by that exactly? He means you boys lowballed the entire industry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, by how much? You guys came in $53 million lower than the nearest competition. Oh, okay. Now to a question that still has no clear answer. How did two 20-something young men land a $300 million Pentagon contract? I have a big idea. They call guys like us war dogs, bottom feeders who make money off of war without ever stepping foot on the battlefield. Show you about my culture. It was meant to be derogatory, but we kind of liked it. We don't play fair. Sorry, Excuse kind me. of an emergency. Sorry, don't worry, I have to go first, I'm American. You seriously want to drive to Baghdad? David, we're gun runners. Let's go run some guns. Give me some of that. You drove these through the triangle of death. The triangle of death, bro? <laughs> we drive through all triangles, including your mom's. All right, so that was the trailer for War Dogs. Basically, it's about uh, a couple young guys who figure out that they can make a lot of money by buying up these government contracts to purchase uh, weapons and uh, they get themselves in a, in a situation that's a little over their head when they try to, to pick up the biggest contract they've ever done 
And uh, the story is sort of how they came together, this big thing they tried to do, and how that turned out for them in the end. So, Mr. Miller, what did you think of War Dogs? First, can I just point out that War Dogs would have been a totally great title for Sausage Party? <laughs> <laughs> that, that is true. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so as I mentioned at the beginning of the, you know, hot dogs. Anyway, as I mentioned at the beginning of this movie. <laughs> um, I got you. I, I was unnaturally excited to see this. And I think it's really because the, the true story behind War Dogs just was so intriguing to me. Like I had read a long form article and then a couple other things too about uh, David Packhaus and Ephraim Diveroli and like this bizarre life that they led where they were just like fresh out of high school and they became international arms dealers. And, and it's a true story. Like that is just the stuff that like an amazing film should be made out of. <laughs> and um, the movie that I got, I think because of the strength of that original story, it is a always entertaining film. Like there are enough crazy twists and turns to justify its existence. Yeah. Um, I do think both Miles Teller and Jonah Hill do a pretty good job with what they're given. Um, I like the little tweaks like Jonah Hill adds to his Diveroli character, like this high pitched laugh and this, uh, that he's basically just so the, creepy yeah but it, <laughs> you are way too good at that <laughs> but I, I basically he completely made up this character because the the real Diveroli from pictures and everything i've seen is just like a skinny white dude and <laughs> jonah hill's character is like a whatever the miami version of a jersey shore bro is basically no, whatever quit your body shaming <laughs> No, you know, he's like, he's like a spray tanned, uh, is Cholo a word? <laughs> is <that an> okay <laughs> word? I've, I've been, re I've been reading a Hispanic author and now I feel I'm allowed to say things like Cholo. <laughs> and, anyways. Anyway, moving on. Um, yeah, so they, they make these kind of fun cartoonish characters out of this. And the, I think what I, my disappointment in this movie is that, uh, Todd Phillips managed to take a story that on its own just has this like amazing crescendo. It has like a three act structure. They first discover what they can do. They set about doing it and business is good. And then spoilers, something might happen at the end to threaten that. Um, and somehow this movie does not have that pace. It, it It's like he, he decided to fast forward through a lot of the things that really would have built tension uh, in my mind, like he fast forwards mostly through their actual learning of how this system works and how to bid on government contracts. Um, and even presses fast forward on a lot of the uh, standard successful parts. And it kind of has this weird, this weird thing where some of the, some of the best or most audacious moments happen within like the first 25 minutes. And by then, like compared to what we've already seen, the climax is a little bit more of a like, 60% of a climax or something like it <laughs> it never hits the heights that the true story hits fairly early on in the film um and so in the end I don't really know where I land I I enjoy the story and I think like this is a totally entertaining film with more laughs than I would have expected but I do feel like it doesn't do the story justice like I feel like it took great material and made just a good film out of it 
which kind of makes me want to dock it a little bit. Yeah, well, when we were walking out of the theater, because um, we both saw this together, and uh, one thing I kind of said, having not read the true story behind it, was that this story wasn't really, it didn't seem like it was actually that interesting to tell. Like, I felt like this would be a better podcast where they interview the people involved and talk about, isn't it crazy that this actually happened? Um, but like really in film form, the the narrative itself wasn't as interesting as the sheer facts of what they did and the fact that they could do what they did. Mm-hmm. And if you compare this to, I mean, it's not, it's not technically the same genre exactly, but like if you look at something like The Big Short, even I, I even had complaints about that, but that had a much larger cast and what the things that they were doing in the big short were inherently more complex and time was given to try to explain the situations that allowed that to happen. And in this film, you get a few voiceovers that kind of explain like, okay, well, you know, there was these contracts and then, you know, government people like try to take them all, but then they wanted to make the little companies be able to bid on them too. So blah, 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 blah. And it sort of glosses over that kind of information real fast. And then, the entire film focuses on mainly just two deals out of all the, like, I mean, to be, I mean, te- technically they really like they're gun runners, but like we only see them run guns twice. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or technically we only see them do it once and yeah. then all the issues start to arise like the second time. And, and both of these are a part, I believe of one big contract that they won. So okay. it's kind of like, we're not even, really seeing them build up to it we're just seeing them at the height of their powers just out of the gate yeah yeah i mean like because we are are, you know miles teller who is also the narrator of the film he's kind of like oh man it sucks i was doing massages and then uh oh but then we found out about this thing but it's kind of like it'd be one thing if two buddies sort of stumbled onto this thing did a few contracts and then really were like, oh shit, like we actually made some money. Let's keep doing this. And you saw them build this like massive empire where they were, you know, running guns all over the world and doing all sorts of crazy stuff. But really it kind of, we just see them immediately. Like one of the characters is already involved in this. Like when, when, when the main character encounters him, like Jonah Hill's been doing this for a while and has a lot of money, drives a nice car or whatever. Um, and he's, he's really just looking to expand his business. And that's why he brings Miles Teller on. Um, so it's kind of like the the story isn't told in a deep enough way that makes it compelling outside of the fact that these two characters have some sort of chemistry together and interact with with each other in a way that is fun and entertaining. Um, you know, they try to add some suspense with Miles Teller's wife and... Uh, her or is it even his his wife or is it just I girlfriend? I think just his girlfriend. Okay, just girlfriend. Um, so so the girlfriend character. Wait, but don't they have a kid, or does that come later? <laughs> I I don't know how to break this to you, Chris. <laughs> but sometimes when people love each other, only a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe they're good, supposed to be good married. Call. Good call. I, I don't know that she existed in real life, so I'm not sure in the context of this movie whether she is a girlfriend or a wife. <laughs> yeah, I just I just remember scenes of her her doing the, the, the typical like uh, film trope of like I'm I'm taking our kid and going to see my mother. Like mm-hmm. the spoilers, you know, <laughs> their relationship gets a little rocky. But in, in like those classic scenes, it's, I'm always thinking it's the wife going off to stay with the mother. So I just I'm reapplying tropes back 
it's totally fine for people to have kids with whoever they want to have kids with. No, no take backs. <laughs> didn't, didn't mean to be uh, heteronormative. <laughs> <laughs> Don't heteronormative shame the rest of us, Chris. <laughs> um, but, but, but anyway, you were saying that like that, that tries to add more suspense into the, yeah, into but the story. E- but, yeah, yeah, but even in the context of those scenes, it's like the... Like in the scene, like if you've seen the trailer, um, I'm I'm not even gonna say because I'm pretty sure it's in the trailer. But like, there's some sort of you know, like well, in the in the so in the trailer, there's a scene where he's calling her and he's like, oh yeah, I'm in the, I'm in the hotel, and then the like there's bad guys in in cars coming at them and shooting at them. He's like, I gotta call you back, love you, bye, and hangs up. But enough about American Sniper. <laughs> Damn it, I forgot the name of the movie. <laughs> Uh, touche. I wanted to call it Lone Sniper. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's combining the other two movies mm. <laughs> with the best, the best line ever. <laughs> you can die for your country. I'm gonna live for mine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but uh, anyways, um, so even in the context of that scene, she already at that point in the film, she has already discovered. He's already sort of accidentally had to confess that that he is a gun runner. Oh, yeah, and the big suspenseful thing is that they're pacifists, right? She's really, 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 really against the war. Um, but at this point, she already knows that he's that he's involved with guns. So I don't see why it's such a drastic, huge thing that he had to go to Iraq for part of this deal, right? Like, it, it's... Um, I don't know. There's just, just a lot of the, a lot of this th- stuff just feels false to me in a way that that kind of like lessened the film in general. But I mean, it's it's still a story that's fun and it's interesting that these two people did this at least some portion of it in real life. Um, the sheer fact that they became gun runners just by sheer like, oh look, there's an opportunity here. We can take advantage of it. This is cool. Um, that's all interesting and kind of fun and. I enjoyed watching the film. I just don't think it's super great. Right. I, I, I feel you. And I definitely do think that that moment in particular is an example of how you can make a trailer tell a better story than the movie tells. Yeah. And like in the trailer, the stakes of that scene are very obvious, right? Like the the difference between where he is and where she believes him to be, yeah. like the, the two lives he's leading and everything. Um and in the movie, I feel like they could have still done that because I'm pretty sure they made up her character. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they decide to go this other way where when they need there to be interpersonal drama, there is. And when they want him to be happy, all of her fears suddenly will just evaporate, right? Completely out of nowhere. Like if you were really a ardent pacifist and you found out your boyfriend was a gun runner, I don't think you would just like be angry at the lying and then be fine for 20 minutes and then be angry again. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like you're, you probably have some deep, deep issues with this person. Um, I think, so yeah, her character kind of felt thrown in to add, add tension in the parts of the story that I felt didn't need synthetic tension added. Um, I also felt like Miles Teller's narrator, he, he gets in the way a little bit. Like people always use this phrase, uh, show, don't tell. And I, I often don't buy that. Like some of my favorite parts in movies are like perfectly phrased monologues, like things where the person is telling you exactly how to feel. Yeah. Um, but in, in this case, I definitely felt what that meant. It seemed like there would be 
there would be a scene where it could have spoken for itself, like the emotions of it, how it felt, the rising stakes. And instead it just has to pause and he'll be like, I felt really scared. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> why, why did that need to happen? <laughs> like, I don't, it, I felt a little bit of a lazy narrative shortcut with that. Um, and then the second one is that like in the plot, there is a very clear, serious character arc that he goes on where he is wooed in by this life of crime and luxury. Right. And then he rises in the ranks and he wants to be better and better and better will want to be the best. And then by the end, you know, the hero might have his downfall. And on paper, that is all there, like handed to you on a silver platter. But in the actual beats of the story, I feel like they 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 try so much to make it always be funny, like to have a good even tone throughout where there's a laugh in every two or three minutes of the movie that they don't really give that a chance to flesh out. Like he isn't despondent and then thrilled and then delusional and then fine in the end. He's just like an even level of kind of okay, kind of stoner and kind of surprised at what he's doing. And I think like not having that roller coaster kind of hurt the urgency of the movie for me. I think also that the film suffers a little bit from having to insert facts about the case in real life. Um, there is there is something that comes up towards the end of the film that has to do with the partnership they have and how that was constructed. And I feel like in the context of the film, it didn't really make sense to me at all. Like I, I, had, I, I asked you on, 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 on the walk back, I was like, I totally don't buy this. And you're like, oh, that's, that, that's actually true. And it just feels like one of those things that they threw in there because it's a fact of the actual thing that happened. But in the context of the film, it's, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel authentic because it's sort of like, oh yeah. And by the way, now we're going to have this scene that's super confusing and then that will really relay the information that will be important in just a moment. Like it was, it was just, it was kind of like, I, I just didn't, I didn't buy that as being truthful, even though it was truthful because the way that came about was super awkward to me. Yeah. I, I felt like this was a, this was a script that needed a little bit more fine tuning, like, like a new facts it wanted to present to you. And it didn't always know how, so it would throw in a random scene or like a voiceover narration or something that would just kind of kill the energy of the moment uh, to try to propel the story along. And, and again, it, it just kind of baffles me because a movie about two 20-somethings finding themselves like selling guns in Iraq, like that shouldn't need any synthetic <laughs> motivation to make it interesting. Like... Yeah. You, you've got the story already. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. But still, I, I thought it was a fine time. I I only am criticizing because I feel like it could have been a very, very good movie. No, no, I, I agree. I mean, it, it's it's a film that is, it's the elevator pitch for the film is interesting in and of itself. And you sort of have to just carry that along um, in an interesting manner. And the film like gets by on the characters them, or on, on the actors themselves playing off each other well and the situation being interesting enough. Um, but the film itself doesn't really strive to be anything that's really super impressive. It just sort of 
does its thing and lets it happen and you either enjoy it or you don't. Um, so. Cool. Should we get to verdicts? Uh, yeah, I believe we should. So, um, Stephen, if you're going to give this a must-see, a record with the caveat, a wait for rental, pass with the caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? Okay, so first, on behalf of Carson, I know that he gave it a must-see, so we we can relay that information here. Um, mm. I would give it a, for all my complaining, a recommend with a caveat. I think this was more fun than not fun. Uh, it was an enjoyable couple hours, and it does tell a story that if you haven't already read it in another context, I think the story alone can carry it pretty well. So like caveat being it, it is not as good as I think it deserved to be, but it was still totally fine. Yep. I'm going to give it a wait for rental. Um, well, I think it's fun. I don't think it's really anything that, I mean, I, I guess it lands exactly where I was assuming it was going to, where I was like, Oh, if I wasn't doing the podcast, I probably wouldn't have seen it. But if I would have seen it after the fact, I would have been like, oh, that was kind of a fun movie. Um, so it lands squarely in a wait for rental for me. So I think that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. Uh, Steven, if people want to find you at the, the week, where can they do that? Uh, if people want to find me, they can go to Albania. I'll be in a warehouse. <laughs> uh, <laughs> packing Chinese bullets into cardboard boxes. Cool. People can find me um, sitting in an office, uh, scrolling through government contracts, trying to find um, something small enough or big enough that I can actually get into and hopefully not underbid it by 50 something million dollars. And uh, the podcast itself, though, if you want to find that and see other reviews from us, you can head over to the spoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning or like us at facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com. You can use the contact form on our site. Or that's it, because the Google number that we had is officially expired. No! <laughs> you can no longer contact us via Google Voice. Um, that's okay, because you guys didn't anyways. Uh, but what you can do is, if you like the show, or even if you hate the show, you can review us on iTunes, because that helps us get heard by more people. And, uh, while we didn't hear any voicemails from you guys, people can hear of us by you rating or reviewing the show on iTunes. So please do that for us because that would be a kind thing for you to do. Uh, maybe we'll even read them on the <laughs> podcast. Yeah, maybe we'll even latch onto your name like Dashbug and reference you for at least a year on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that is this episode. This is, that, that is our review of War Dogs. We're going to head out and we're going to go bring you a review of uh, Kubo and the Two Strings. So see you in a little bit. Bye.